This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Nally. Our guest this week is Arkansas U.S. Senator John Bozeman. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Bayer promotes responsible environmental stewardship. Bayer is part of Growing Matters, an industry-wide effort that launched the Be Sure Stewardship Initiative this spring. Visit growingmatters.org slash be sure for more information on product stewardship. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senator John Bozeman next. Deciding how to manage weeds, insects, and diseases that routinely attack their crops is just one of many decisions farmers must make each season. Protecting bees and other wildlife is a major part of responsible stewardship and why Bayer is part of Growing Matters, an industry-wide effort that launched the BeSure Stewardship Initiative this spring. Through BeSure, Growing Matters reminds farmers and applicators this season to use treated seed responsibly and follow the label to protect bees and other wildlife. Visit growingmatters.org slash BeSure for more information on product stewardship. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. Arkansas Senator John Bozeman says it was the effort of a number of coalitions working together that brought the successful conclusion to what is now the 2018 Farm Bill. With regard to future ag policy, Bozeman says those same coalitions need to work together to bring about how society addresses a changing climate. I think that we all agree that the climate is changing. Now, you can argue as to how much uh, mankind is playing in that and, and what you can do to remediate it, you know. Uh, but, but the reality is it is changing. Right now, as we talk, uh, most of the farmers in Arkansas, many of the farmers throughout our country, can't get into their fields. This is the wettest year on record. And so that's, you know, these, these, uh, these rains, big rains that last, and then, you know, in the past we've had wet years, and then maybe we're blasting on the Mississippi, you know, trying to make it deep enough to, to float a barge. So it is here. It's something that we're going to have to deal with. And, and again, that's going to take everybody working together. Some would, again, make agriculture a villain of this. We have one young congresswoman that wants to get rid of cows, pointing a finger at agriculture. But we also see agriculture working fields and the ability to sequester carbon. Can we write policy where farmers get to play an active role? Oh, very much. In fact, I think farmers are the answer. You know, you look at our our forest. uh, We have a a huge abundance of trees. You know, that's a natural, uh, you know, a natural occurring uh, entity. Uh, the The work that the uh, farmers have done, as far you know, as far as stream bank things like that. The list just goes on and on. In fact, I can remember a, uh, a group that came down was going to study water coming from the, uh, they put water from the Arkansas River through a rice field, and they expected on the other side of it to be more polluted based on, you know, the, the chemicals that they have to use. What they found was that the water was much, much cleaner uh, than, than the water that it entered when it came out. Those are the kind of things, you know, the research is great. Uh, farmers are using all kinds of tools uh, to help be great stewards of the land. So, no, they're, they're not the villains. They're just the opposite. I recall when crude oil prices were especially high and there was the push to come up with renewable fuel. And the idea for ethanol and biodiesel and the others were to displace foreign oil. 
I wonder if now the impetus for these renewable fuels will be more from an environmental standpoint than it will be from a cost analysis of foreign crude. No, I I think that will be a part because we're blessed. Uh, We as a country have found that we've got tremendous uh, resources regarding energy. And so, again, we can be very happy about that. As you try to put yourself in a situation where you compete from a manufacturing standpoint and things like that, it's it's very much dependent on cheap energy. Uh, so you're right, you know, it's going to switch over. And I think also, you know, we've, we've worked for a long time to try and figure out cellulosic ethanol. So lots of, lots of things in the pipeline, lots of research. So then thinking again and, and looking ahead, uh, obviously there are, challenges that have gone on between the petroleum industry and and the renewable fuel industry yours is a diverse state you have livestock and you also have crop farmers is there a line to walk between these two where both can embrace what the country may be calling for from a food need and a fuel need no i think very much so and and that's you know that's what we constantly have to work is is uh, farm bills uh, farm policy it's simply doesn't get done unless you can accommodate everybody. And the good news is that, that there's a path out there, and that's that's what I'm going to be working on very hard in the future to, you know, to find. And you don't do that, you know, you work hard, you do the hearings, you, you know, you visit with the... These solutions need to come from the ground up. And the other thing, you know, you mentioned about agriculture being the villain. We can be so proud. I'm, the, I'm also involved in, you know, the foreign affairs aspect of appropriations. Uh, you know, we can be so proud. We're feeding the world. You know, we, we produce about half of the food aid, and uh, we do that in a very, very efficient manner now. And as the technology increases to just get more and more efficient all the time, we are setting the, setting the stage, setting the example, and uh, the rest of the world's doing the same thing. So let's take a legal bad and, and give your stab at it here. We'll call it the Bozeman Green New Deal. What would it include and what would it not include if you were writing a policy with regard to environment and stewardship? Well, I wouldn't say that I would you know, get rid of fossil fuels in, in a matter of a few years. Uh, it's simply not possible. What I would include in a Bozeman New Deal is all of the above. Uh, we as a country are blessed with a lot of natural resources. Uh, we've got uh, we've got oil, we've got gas, we've got uh, hydropower, uh, geothermal. The list goes on and on. So we need to use all of those in such a manner that that we do that in an environmentally friendly way, continuing to look for science for science and efficiency. Uh, one of the things that we could start with is conservation. My dad and mom, uh, when I grew up, as many of your listeners can identify with, you didn't leave a room without turning out the lights. And just little things like that. I, I've got a great friend from Montana. We're blessed in Arkansas. Right now we've got too much water. They don't have much. And so when he brushes his teeth, he turns on the faucet, you know, and sticks his toothbrush under there and turns it off. You know, in Arkansas, we turn it on and, you know, there's water all over the place. So... We do have to look for conservation, things like that. We're, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do, but they're based on common sense. They're not based on emotion, okay? We need to use common sense and sound science. As you brought that up, we have a portion of the country on the West 
where water is an issue for a lack of, and then to the central and to the east, as you suggest, too much. Will water policy find its way into Farm Bill, or will it come through some other means? Should it come from the federal level, or is that a state issue? Well, it needs to come from both. The waters of the U.S. and all that is is clearly unconstitutional. The Constitution says uh, just flat out, in navigable waters, that's the federal, and the rest are up to the states. So, on the other hand, we need to help with the policy. As you look at the futurist, when you ask them, you know, what are going to be the problems of the future, water and energy are always number one or two. Now, one will reverse it one way or the other. Energy and water are always number one and two, and, and we can see that in our country. We can see it throughout the world. And again, you know, with with the change in weather patterns, the change in climate, uh, that's probably going to be exacerbated. I look back in history and I enjoy the conversation. I remember when my grandparents talked about two innovations that came to their home. They got indoor plumbing and they got electricity. Some would suggest that broadband is a luxury. Is broadband a luxury or an essential service now? And, and how is your state served by broadband? Well, I'm a co-chair of the Broadband Caucus, and uh, uh, it is so, uh, the rural Broadband Caucus, it's so important. Uh, you know, we're just in a situation now for a community to grow and flourish. It simply has to be available. And it is a lot like rural electrification, uh, which took a long time, you know, to, to, to get completed. So we're working very, very hard. We're working at the state level. We're working at the federal level, uh, making sure... Uh, the thing that we've got to do first to making sure is that the maps that we're using are accurate, which they're not. Uh, you know, you see a map and, you know, this area is supposed to be adequately served and there's nothing there. You know, I know it's not there because, you know, you visit. So we're working hard to get that straight. And then also uh, there is going to be a lot of uh, federal resources put into place. The other thing that concerns broadband with the mapping is that's so important is you don't want duplicate duplicative efforts in areas. And so this is something that, that you can't think in terms in regarding infrastructure with the three R's, roads and railroads and runways. Broadband has to be a part of that. The other thing that's so important is uh, uh, drinking water and uh, you know wastewater. That's, that's another thing that is huge because so many of our communities now are aging and uh, that is very expensive to replace, and, and, and the federal government plays a role in that also. I think we've seen, and maybe you can expand on this, there are places where companies may have a contract for an area, but they've not fulfilled the last mile of the run. They say there's coverage, but they're not following through. That makes it more difficult for some other company that might like to try. No, you're exactly right, and, and you run into all kinds of problems. Uh, Arkansas is a very... Uh, diverse state geographically. Uh, we've got the Delta, and it's pretty easy to, you know, to, to drill holes there. We've also got the hills, uh, very rocky. You know, the terrain there is, is difficult. But you're right. You know, it's those, it's those last areas uh, where you don't have as much population. But again, there is a responsibility to fulfill the whole thing. That's the only way that you're, you know, eventually going to have development in those areas. Much like rural water, you know, it's easy to, it's easy to get that, you know, that, that urban area, or, or you know, the, you start pushing out. Uh, I've seen so many people hauling water in Arkansas. You know, hadn't had good wells and things like that. 
you go in, you work with the the agencies. Uh, USDA plays a big role in that, and it's so exciting, you know, as those people are turning on their taps and to see their property values increase dramatically. And again, uh, you know, the economic uh, benefit that comes from that. I look at issues that were a part of that farm bill development, and clearly nutrition was a sore spot for a lot of people between parties and even between chambers. Yet there is still some nutrition work to do in that child nutrition within the Senate Agriculture Committee. How do you see that debate, and should we expect that it would be as contentious as we saw, per se, in the House? I don't think it's really going to be contentious. It's going to be finding some money you know, to do what we'd like to do. Uh, certainly, we, we would like to, to make it such that the program is more efficient. Uh, we want to feed as many children as we can. Uh, we have a problem in the sense that, uh, you know, you'll have young people that, that truly are uh, in a situation where they don't get enough to eat. The schools do a good job of, of providing that. Uh, they'll get breakfast, lunch, sometimes an afternoon snack or backpack, all of those things. Then summer comes. And there's not a smooth transition into the summer. And so we're working very, very hard to, to try and make that a much better process. The rules that govern that go back to the 1960s, and the world is a very, very different place. They're also one-size-fits-all. And in an urban area, uh, one of our – we don't have a lot of urban areas in Arkansas, but we do. But that's very, very different you know, than rural Arkansas, rural America. And so we need different rules. We need a lot more flexibility. I've told Senator Roberts and I've told Senator Stabenow, you know, they did such a tremendous job with the farm bill, getting everybody on board, that they're capable of doing this. It's going to be a big lift. But we're all prepared to help them, and uh, I think we've got an excellent chance of getting this thing done. In the previous administration, the First Lady weighed in heavily on child nutrition, and, and I was told by some school administrators that they were trying to make the lunchroom a classroom where they were introducing various foods. And some of those were very hard for rural districts to be able to get, some not available at all. And it costs more money, and the kids weren't eating as much. How do you balance between what's great nutrition and being fed? It was a real problem. You know, one of my favorite things growing up was the lunch rolls. You know, there's nothing better than a school lunch roll. Things, you know, on paper look good, but they were very draconian regarding salt intake and various things and, and really limited the menu. So getting back to common sense, you have to use common sense. The other thing is you don't want to drive up the price so much because there is a finite amount of money for these schools. Uh, they were providing a lot of extra stuff that they could do. So many times after these, this was instituted, they didn't have the money to do the afternoon snack and the things that they were doing. You know, they, had, they actually you know, had to, to pull in their horns. Plus, as you mentioned earlier, lots of waste. You know, there's, you know, they, they simply weren't eating the stuff. So through education and then, again, modifying the, the menu, using some common sense, we're in a much better place than we were. And that, as I said earlier with the farmers, that needs to come from the ground up, that we need to be listening to the lunch ladies that work so hard to prepare this stuff and uh, get some good advice as we continue to modify so that we are able to provide healthy meals, but, but meals that they'll eat, meals that they'll enjoy. 
So I think of the things that can be accomplished, and I see partisanship that's very real in advance of, a, of an election. What's possible with infrastructure? How important is that to your state and others like Arkansas? It's really important. One thing that we've got to do, and, and I've been on the Environment and Public Works, Transportation House, now the Environment and Public Works uh, in the Senate since I got to Congress. And we've got to start working on the highway bill, and we are. But that's a reauthorization that comes up every five years. It's a lot of money. Uh, it's about the federal government is supplying about forty percent of the average of the uh, on average, you know, to a state. So it, it the trouble is if you don't get it done in a timely fashion, then the states will, will quit letting contracts because they have to know for sure that these dollars are going to come in. So they'll quit letting contracts several months before it, you know, it runs out. So we've got to get on the stick. We've got to provide the funding for that. Um, and that's, that's always a big task. Now, besides that, the president would like to go further, you know, and come up with an infrastructure package. Uh, the key there is, is how do you do that? You know, we talk about public-private partnerships, and certainly uh, some of those are available. A little bit different in some of the rural areas. So the funding piece and just being innovative is going to be the key there. Can the funding for the highway bill may become more diverse than just a gas tax? Because we're pushing for better standards of miles per gallon to not use as much gas, but we also now have vehicles on the road that don't burn gasoline at all. No, you're exactly right. And the fleet it now is is such that even the older cars... The gas mileage has improved, you know, in a, in a recent enough fashion that even the older cars on the road now are pretty fuel efficient, and, and some of the cars now are just remarkable. So you're right, you know, they're they're driving the same miles, they're not using as much gas, so they're not paying as much fuel tax. Uh, along that with that, you've got hybrids, you've got battery operated cars. All of those are going to increase, and that's why the uh, the highway gas tax is flat, not only in uh, at a federal level, but throughout our states. So because of that, we are going to have to look to uh, to different ways of funding. That's really what we're working on hard now. The Environment and Public Works Committee has already started hearings, and uh, we're going to, to search diligently because the reality is is that these things have to be paid for. We've had inflation. haven't had a lot more revenue in, in, uh, in many years. Let's look to a close now with regard to trade. There's much can be said about a number of different agreements, but one that has been in debate for some time and a lot of states talking about that we have a neighbor to the south that we may philosophically not agree with on every part, but they're a consumer. You've introduced legislation again to trade with Cuba. What we've got to do is we've got to settle the uh, the new NAFTA you know, get that, that squared away. That's very, very important. We've got to get the Chinese situation set. But we've constantly, we've got to constantly look for, uh, for new markets. And, uh, we, uh, joined with a bunch of folks writing, uh, the Iraqis, uh, a note, uh, not too long ago that said, uh, remember us, be fair with your tenders, things like that. So we did. We inter- introduced a bill that had to do with dealing with Cuba. They import 80% of their food. There's no reason for them not to get that here. And so what it does is allow uh, people to provide credit, no cost to the United States, but just private individuals, the ability to to offer them credit and then start selling uh, more food uh, as a result of that. So we worked hard, and and, uh, this is something that... uh, 
again, they've got to buy it someplace. There's no reason not to buy here. The other thing is, I've always said that you have to be consistent. And uh, you can look at the human rights record in Cuba. It's not good. Uh, you can look at the human rights record in Saudi Arabia, China, Vietnam, places like that. It's terrible. And so I think the way you change the world is through uh, interaction, you know, relationships. You not only trade uh uh, you know, food or whatever. You trade goods in trading goods and services. You're trading ideas. Senator Bozeman, you've been a, a stalwart for agriculture. You've worked hard for the industry, and you may have the opportunity coming up to to have some additional responsibility with regard to agriculture. What's your vision for the industry? And and I'll give you the last word today in our open mic discussion. Well, we can be very proud of where we're at now, in the sense not not economically because our Farmers right now are suffering, but but the research that's being done, our efficiencies, things like that, we have to continue to search for new markets. You know, that's so, so very important. We need to continue the uh, efforts regarding conservation, the research dollars, and then most importantly, making sure that, that we start fairly soon, you know, starting working on the next farm bill, and then always remembering that we need to take uh, all of agriculture all of the different components working very, very hard such that we don't have a one-size-fits-all, that we can make it such that we provide vehicles uh, so that we will uh, keep constantly moving forward, providing that safety net that our farmers need so that we can be so proud that we've got the cheapest, safest food of any place in the world, probably any place ever. And those, those are the things that we need to be doing. Our thanks to U.S. Senator John Bozeman, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by Bayer. Bayer promotes responsible environmental stewardship, and Bayer is part of Growing Matters, an industry-wide effort that launched the Be Sure Stewardship Initiative this spring. Visit growingmatters.org slash be sure for more information on product stewardship. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Alley.